Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking with pro triathlete Jess Smith about all the special considerations surrounding running, training, and maintaining fitness before and after pregnancy. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. Jess is an amazing athlete. She got a Kona slot in only her second Ironman, and then in 2011 uh, became the 2011 70.3 Ironman World Champion. And since that time, she's been racing pro. Now, in the past year, uh, Jess has had some major life shifts, and I think that her experiences can help all athletes understand the importance of priorities and focus as life unfolds. She recently started coaching full-time, she had a baby, and then she got right back to racing. So if anyone knows how to keep the fitness while making major life transitions, it is Jess. So Jess, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, great to have you here. And maybe give us a little background about um, you, your athletic hiss, kind of share a little bit about um, these projects you're working on to give uh, uh, our listeners an idea of what you're up to now. Okay, yeah, great. Uh, I grew up swimming. Uh, That was pretty much my life from age 9 to 18. And then I graduated from high school and said, I'm never swimming again. I'm done. I hate it. I'm finished. And then graduated from college. Uh, I rode at Southern Methodist University, which was definitely an interesting experience and just wanted to keep fit and uh, keep sport in my life. But after I graduated college, I didn't have a sport and uh, was looking for a new challenge. And I'd always been an endurance athlete. So I decided I was going to start running marathons, and then marathons turned into triathlons, and I just, you know, from my first triathlon, just absolutely loved it. I Ironman was my third triathlon ever, and I really wasn't that great when I started, but I was super motivated and, and just loved it, so just kind of kept working and kept working and moved to California where we had hills and got a lot stronger and, uh, you know, got my first Kona spot, and, and then it just kind of progressed pretty quickly from there and it's it's been a fun ride for sure yeah that's interesting so you know uh, my first triathlon was an Ironman and I have heard and I actually really believe now like it was I think it was right for me because I had no idea what to expect and so for me I was just like well I haven't done this anyway and if I'd done an Olympic distance I think I would have thought it would be impossible to do something four times that long you know yeah um, but I do understand the thinking behind, like, if you do that as your first one, it's extremely difficult to become fast because you kind of start out with this expectation that it takes you like forever. Yeah. And so then you think, well, how do you like cut your time by 50%, you know, like how do you chop a huge block of time off there? And it is very difficult. So how did you make that shift? Like, how did you really start ramping up your speed after doing your first Ironman? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's kind of funny when, after I did my first Ironman, I remember telling my husband, Oh, I think that'd be so cool if someday I could race as a professional. And, you know, I took 12 and a half hours and I was in the middle of the pack of my age group. And I think he just kind of laughed and thought, Oh yeah, yeah, great. That's, that's a good goal. But I was just so far away from, you know, that zip code. Um, but then I just, I just kept a love for triathlon and I didn't race that often, but I, I really liked, I enjoyed the process of training. I got in with the triathlon team where, you know, I really, when I raced my first Ironman, I barely knew how to change my own tires. So just (laughs) training with other triathletes, uh, you know, gave me a lot more knowledge and, um, you train with other people and you start to go a lot faster than, than you realize. And, you know, I was climbing all the time and just really enjoying myself. And I, honestly didn't know how much progress I had made because I wasn't being coached. I wasn't really tracking my progress. I didn't have training peaks or anything like that. And then I went to Arizona for my second Ironman and thought, 
oh, maybe someday I can qualify for Kona. And then I looked at the times and thought, oh my gosh, there is no way I'm going to be 70 before I'll ever get there. I'll just wait, wait until everybody stops racing and then I'll get, then I'll get a spot. But I raced and I, I took off two, over two hours for my first Ironman. And then, then it kind of hit me like, okay, this, this dream of racing pro could be possible, but now I need to get serious. Now I need to actually think about what I'm doing, think about my training, maybe get a tri bike and (laughs) get, get some guidance there. So, yeah, because that, that is a a big part of it, right? Is you have to make big shifts and, um, you can't do things the same way and expect to like not finish middle of the pack in your age group, right? You gotta do something very, very different. So you made some big changes. I mean, some of them were just kind of lifestyle changes. They just happen to work really effectively for making those changes. So it sounds like some of them were almost accidental in a way, you know, but Obviously, you've learned a lot about that, so now you use that to coach other athletes, right? Absolutely. And, I mean, the big thing is it took me – I mean, I didn't race Ironman for two years, so that whole time I was training. And I think the thing is, you know, if you do an Ironman and you think, oh, I'd like to get to Kona, but that goal is two hours away, the the thing that helps me is not – thinking okay I need to take off two hours or I need to be at this goal right away it was playing the long game I mean it took Mm -hmm. me two years to get to that point and then you know now I've been racing triathlon for a decade and it it's just a little bit of progress and I always tell my athletes that it's really what you need is consistency is you just you need some time and you need consistency and then you need to you know figure out what your actual goal is and then uh, you know, just have baby steps, baby goals that you can monitor your progress, you can track your progress, and then you get to celebrate along the way. And then it's not you jump from middle of the pack to top of the age group, and that's your only goal and that's your focus. You've got to have ways of enjoying the process and and you know making small gains over time. Right. Well, that's that is a big part of it, right? And so it's these small gains, and I think that what a lot of people do, at least people that I see, you know, because I see people who are injured, so. I see what people do wrong, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't, you know, people don't call me and say, Hey, look, I'm doing awesome. You know, I made these gains this year and I never got injured. I see them when they've done it. They made some big mistake, which seems obvious to me because that's all I see. But it's like you said, it's the long game. So when people, you know, do their first race and if they go relatively fast and, you know, I mean, obviously finish middle of your, the pack, you know, you say that like, it's a negative. It's not, I mean, it's your first race. Like, to not finish basically behind all the 60-year-olds when you're doing your first Ironman is incredible, you know. And so, but you have to think about it like the long game. And that's what most of these people do wrong is that they say, okay, because, you know, for most people, if they say, I'm going to take two hours off my time and, you know, 12-something is not slow. It sounds like a long time, but it's not slow. And taking two hours off is a huge goal. And so many athletes that think they're going to do that, particularly if they're self-coached, I think, they start making big errors. They think Absolutely. it's all about harder work. It's all about more effort. It's just discipline. All I have to do is go harder than everybody else, and I can chop two hours off. And so they go, and they're doing, like, hill repeats on back-to-back days. They're doing track workouts on back-to-back days or whatever. And then they get, you know, I mean, they're getting stronger, and they're yeah. seeing big gains, and they're making big improvements. But then they call me because they have Achilles tendonitis or you know, a stress fracture or whatever. And then it's all wrecked. So, you know, you cannot take long periods of time off from your training because of an injury and then expect to be right back on track for your season. Absolutely. So, you know, that seems like a big part of it. So, um, you know, that's one of the main focuses of this whole podcast is to help runners avoid injury. And so we all know that uh, all the stressors that add up 
kind of compound the risk of injury like you know and it's not just it's not just the stress of training it's not just pill repeats on back-to-back days it's work stress changing jobs having a baby and all the things that make life more stressful and then predispose athletes to injury because the all the stressors do accumulate stress hormones and all that kind of stuff so it can be all different kinds so uh tell us a little about like tell us what you did like what did you do to manage all these stressors um as you ramped up initially to your you know your like pro level race fitness yeah, you know, I um, I actually, I was so lucky that I never got injured, but uh, I had some real struggles when I first turned pro. I When I was ramping up to, to get to the pro level, I did it the right way. It was the long game, and I, I didn't get super fixated on a goal. I was just making small progress over time, and, um, you know, I was working full-time and commuting to the city from where I live, which is about an hour away, so, you know, on any given week, it's 50 to 60 hours of working and commuting and you know you got to fit the training around that and I think most people have at least that much going on in their life so um you know I was just fitting in training when it worked and having fun with it and then when I turned pro it became okay I'm a professional I need to focus I need to be training harder and you know I I instead of saying okay where do I want to be at the pro level in five years I thought where do I want to be at the pro level this season I want to get to Kona and I and I totally shifted the way I had been thinking about triathlon, the way that it had been working for me. And I got too fixated on where I thought I should be right away. Mm -hmm. And I ramped up my, um, I was working with a coach and I put too much intensity into my workouts and I couldn't handle it. I had too much life stress with Mm -hmm. the working and commuting and I kept breaking. So I wasn't getting injured, but I was getting tired all the time. I would train for four or five weeks and then I would spend two or three days in bed just exhausted. And, you know, I kept this going I just kept thinking, okay, I just need to train harder. I need to train longer. And yeah, I'll get this recovery. Um, but I wasn't racing while well. I was losing my aerobic fitness and I was going to race this, um, you know, running faster and riding harder than I ever had, but not being able to really put it together for a 70.3 or an Ironman. I didn't have that aerobic fitness anymore. And so I kept thinking, I just need to keep training, keep training. And then I kept getting tired and Um, you know, a couple years went by and I just wasn't really progressing from that starting point of my pro career. And that's when I said, okay, stop, I need to reset. I'm something's happening. I'm doing something wrong. I switched coaches and it became about the long game again. And then obviously my daughter showed up. Um, so then the long game got extended a little bit and we had to make some adjustments there, but you know, I, I was extremely lucky it never manifested an injury, but I think that extreme fatigue is is basically the same because in order to reset, I had to take an extended period off of training, completely reevaluate all of my goals and almost almost start over. And, you know, then it took more than a year to kind of get back on track. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, you know, you've got to, I think at any level, you have to think, okay, yeah, you should have immediate goals, but they should be small, attainable. And it's really about consistency and when work stress gets in the way. And this is what I tell my athletes. If you have a busy day and you've missed a session, the triathlete in us, the the type A personality says, okay, I want to make it up or I want to do it no matter what, or I want to do it tomorrow. And you know, the, the smart athlete and you should be saying, no, my life stress just went through the roof. My body can only handle so much stress in one day. I've got to pull back on the stress somewhere else in my life. And that has to be training. And at that point, that training is not going to be beneficial to you anyway. You're just going to be spinning your wheels and and digging yourself a hole. So, 
you have to, and that's something that it, it was really hard for me to learn and took me a while, but was the only way I've been able to really get back to fitness after having my daughter is to look at my entire stress pie right. and see that, okay, everything adds up to a hundred percent. And if the piece of my work pie gets a little bigger one week or one day, or, you know, my daughter's sick or she's up late at night, then, you know, something else has to give either. I need to pull back on work, which let's be honest, is probably not realistic for most people. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to pull back on the training or the extracurricular activities and, you know, then it, then it all works. It all flows. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the important thing. And I mean, the fact is, is that most like, you know, what I think of as intense runners and triathletes, they're all very, very, very type A. So it's a safe bet that pretty much anybody listening to this right now is a type A person who has like mapped out their training and they are clear on what they need to do. And they have a very difficult time letting go of any of those workouts when something goes sideways and things go sideways. And it's interesting to me that Oftentimes, like not all the time, but many times when I start asking somebody who's a long time runner, you know, they've been doing marathons for years and years, they've been doing basically the same workout for years and years and years without any kind of consequence. Mm -hmm. And then they suddenly get like Achilles tendinosis or some kind of injury like that. And they're kind of baffled because they didn't really do anything. It's not like they ramped up their training. It's not like they were running a different race or whatever. And then they'll say, well, you know, I ask them about these things and they'll say, well, you know, we had a baby or um, I got divorced or, um, you know, I, I got this new like position at work and it's just massive stress and I have to travel a lot or any of these things. And so any of these external things that had emotional stress um, and life stress, oh. they can be the one thing that pushes you over your threshold for injury, right? Yep. In your case, instead of getting injured, you listened to it. So you yep. basically said, okay, this is terrible, but I'm going to be in bed for a couple of days basically trying to get it back that probably prevented you from getting injured. Yeah. You know, if you'd have just said, I'm going to go do my workout, you probably would have been injured. And yeah. that's very difficult for people to recognize. So, um, you know, when you're pregnant, that's obviously very difficult to maintain because that is really complicated. I mean, you know, you're used to training, you're used to doing all the same stuff. Mentally, you can certainly do it, but it's very stressful. Like your body is changing, ligaments are becoming more lax, you know, your muscles can't quite pull as hard, you're still working as hard. And meanwhile, you have this baby growing, sucking all the nutrients out of you that you'd normally use to rebuild your own tissue is actually getting diverted, Mm -hmm. preferentially, to the developing baby. So, you know, that's one thing that I actually don't hear a lot about. And I haven't heard from doctors, really, they kind of seem to discourage high level fitness during pregnancy, because they think it's going to be unhealthy for the baby. Mm -hmm. I don't really know that that's true. Um, But you know, one of the things that's really not discussed is how you maintain your level of fitness during pregnancy. And um, I really do think a lot of physicians offer some misinformation and confusing uh, stuff around pregnancy and running. Uh, So I've heard all kinds of things. Keep your heart rate at a conversational pace. Don't get your heart rate above 150. Um, All of these sort of broad, you know, real, real general ideas. And so, you know, no one really knows what's safe. So what do you think? Like what, obviously you continue to train throughout pregnancy, Uh right? Um, Obviously I have lots of friends who are triathletes who have had babies who also continue to train. Um, So what, what is it that you recommend to your athletes? If somebody's pregnant uh, and they want to maintain their fitness so that they don't, you know, end up having a baby and have to start over with like a year of sitting on the couch. Um, what do you do? I mean, what do you tell them? This is the doc on the run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler in my experience is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I'm left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You'll have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's gonna be on time. Two, he's gonna be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are gonna result in more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. So what, what is it that you recommend to your athletes if somebody's pregnant uh, and they want to maintain their fitness so that they don't, you know, end up having a baby and have to start over with like a year of sitting on the couch? Right. Um, what do you do? I mean, what do you tell them? Well, it's, it's really funny. When I first found out I was pregnant, I asked the doctor and they said, okay, come in in a couple weeks. And I said, okay, well, I, what do I do now? And they kind of gave me some guidelines for, you know, taking the prenatal vitamins and all of that. And then I said, well, what about exercise? And they said, well, do you exercise a lot now? And I said, well, I'm a professional triathlete. And so the nurse was on the phone and she said, uh, hold on a minute. And she came back about three minutes later and she's like, well, normally we tell athletes or tell people to keep their heart rates under 140 during exercise. And she's like, that's probably not going to apply to you. So, um, she's like, just don't exercise to fatigue. And I said, okay. But as I got off the phone, I thought, well, I'm an endurance athlete. What do you mean don't exercise to fatigue? That's what I do. That's that's all I do. So, you know, I really, um, I read some other blogs of mom triathletes who have come back to racing pretty quickly to kind of see what they did. And um, then it was really about listening to my body. So I just, I thought, okay, well, if I feel good, I'm going to exercise. I kept swimming. I kept biking. I kept running. I stopped biking probably outside probably six months in just because I didn't feel as comfortable you know, with a big belly being outside and, you know, and then the trainer's not that fun. But in terms of running, I mean, I think it was my goal to keep running the entire pregnancy. And I got one of those belly bands and hiked up the belly when it started showing up. But, um, you know, I just, I would do intervals sometimes, but it was more about how I felt that day. I had, you know, I would try to get in an, at least an hour of exercise every day if it fit in with my schedule or if I was feeling good. And, you know, I just jog easy. And I think, um, you know, I know a lot of athletes are, again, we're type A, so we want to, you, you know, when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh man, I'm almost losing a year. I want to stay as fit as possible. I want to make sure that I can come back and race really well as soon as that baby's born. And then, you know, the more pregnant I got, the more I realized this is a perfect time to let my body have a break. You know, it's already doing all this work to grow this other human. And I, I personally need that exercise to really stay sane and to, to feel good. Mm -hmm. And I think it's actually, I mean, I'm not a doctor, obviously, but I, I think it was better for me to keep fit. And I think 
that the fitter the mom and the happier the mom, you know, that baby is benefiting from that as well. So, but I said, you know, after about the first 12 weeks, I just didn't feel that great doing harder runs. Mm -hmm. So I just kept it conversational because that's what felt right for me. And, you know, I had some going in, I had like a couple little niggles where I'd have, you know, tight Achilles or, you know, just every once in a while I'd have a little bit of like hip or knee pain and it was never anything big, but clearly something that could turn into something bigger if I wasn't careful. But then, you know, I took nine months where I was just jogging, you know, running easy, running the pace that I felt was comfortable, um, enjoying runs. I'd go trail running or do, do whatever. And it was an opportunity to kind of have an extended period where I wasn't hyper-focused on racing. And I mean, for most athletes, if you try to think back to the last time that you had, you know, more than a few weeks of just kind of light training, probably most of us can't even remember, or it was right. before college or something. So, right. you know, or it's, it, it's hard to take that time unless you have a specific reason. And then, you know, but I stayed fit. And then, you know, about 35 weeks as it started to get uncomfortable, things start to stretch out, the baby was getting big and, and I was kind of disappointed that I couldn't keep running. But at that point, you have to say, well, this is what my body is capable of doing. And some women can run the entire pregnancy and some women can't make it past the first trimester. It's just all about how your body changes. And you, at the end of the day, just have to listen to that. And that's what I did. And at 35 weeks, I said, okay, that's it. I'm on the elliptical or I'm going for walks and you stay fit and stay in the pool. But, you know, it's the same thing. You've got, you've really got to be in tune with your body and what you what makes you feel good? I think right. that's that's the key is when you're pregnant, it's all about feeling better and using exercise to feel better and to feel good, but not put yourself in a situation where it's making you feel worse or more tired or more stressed. Right. You know, I mean, the thing is, like with the, the information that we get, there's no information to go on because pregnancy obviously is really important to everybody who's pregnant and yeah. it's very, very high yeah. risk, right? There's a reason yeah. why OBGYNs have like the highest malpractice insurance costs of all doctors mm -hmm. because it's really high risk, you know, because this is your baby yeah. and we don't do clinical trials on people that are pregnant. We don't do studies on people that are pregnant. You know, we're not going to take a bunch of athletes and no OBGYN would start a study where they like split them up into two groups and one of them they have them do what they think makes sense and one of them they let them exercise hard and see if they wind up with developmental problems with a fetus you yeah. know like if the baby you know <laughs> turns out you know deformed and underweight or anything yeah. they're just not going to do that yeah. so they're obviously trying to give you the very best advice they can based on what they think they know right about developmental milestones and everything else and everything they can track and they always are going to be cautious yeah but most athletes are not cautious by nature. Yeah. They want to push and push and push and find out where the line is. Yeah. And so you've got to be reasonable about it. But as you said, you have to be really cautious and like think about like your body. So when you're training and suddenly you're getting these things that would turn into injuries, like an Achilles tendon tightness, yeah. you listen to it. But it's also important to communicate that to your coach because obviously you've been through it. Yeah. You have the experience. I've never been pregnant. I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it feels like when you run with ligamentous laxity, but you know because you've been through it. Yeah. So like if somebody's training and they want to stay fit and they're pregnant and then they have a coach who can say, okay, well, I know what that's like, that's extremely helpful, right? Yeah. And, you know, and it's not just, it's not just the physical things. It's sort of trying to keep the right mental attitude, I think. And so, you know, with all the, I think it's especially difficult, obviously, when you're pregnant because you have these hormonal fluctuations that may be completely new to you. Um, 
and all that stuff starts to affect you. So like in terms of mental strategies, what do you do to help pregnant athletes and, you know, to stay on key, like even keel and just, just really stay on track with their goals. Like how do you help them with that mentally? So I think, I mean, even though you're not training, I mean, you're not training for a race, but there is kind of this end thing that you're training for, right? You're training for when that baby is born. Um, So I've had athletes that, you know, I've never actually had an athlete that's pregnant, but I've had a lot of friends that I've worked with um, that are pregnant or wanting to become pregnant. And they always ask me questions about what I did and, you know, what the, what to focus on. And I think for triathletes or even, or runners or any athlete, we want to have goals. We want to be working towards something. And so I think identifying what, what you really want to get out of, you know, obviously you're getting your baby and that's, that's the end goal. And that's the the great thing. But what do you want the process of your pregnancy to be like? And where do you want to be when that baby is born? And I think the best goal I could possibly give anyone that's pregnant is to say, you want to get to that baby being born, feeling good, feeling fit, not being super, you know, having gained a ton of weight or being super uh, out of shape. But at the same time, use that nine months as this is my extended break. This is my chance to reset the clock. I'm going to stay aerobically fit. I'm going to stay, you know, mentally, mentally, physically healthy, but I'm going to let my body recover. It's doing all of this work. And so that's a, I think that's an amazing goal to stay focused on because that's something that's achievable for everyone. If they, if they manage their pregnancy in the right way. And then I think you break it down, you know, by trimesters, the first trimester is tough. And, you know, so you just try to <laughs> you try to keep your diet as good as you can with what you're able to eat based on how you're feeling. And then the second trimester is when you feel really great. So that's when you can, you know, do longer workouts and keep that aerobic fitness. And then that third trimester, you start to get a little heavier. And then it's basically, you know, you start to back it off. You get a little extra rest. You prepare for that child uh, to show up. And then, you know, you just, like, it's the same thing. You can set goals for for your pregnancy. And that keeps you fit, you know, that keeps you focused on things that are healthy and not, not going overboard. You know, the goal should never be, I want to race Ironman six weeks after the baby's born. I've actually heard that. Or, (laughs) you know, I want to be able to race Ironman at this point. You don't know what your life is going to be like when that baby shows up. So don't worry about that. Know that, you know, when that baby's here and you see what your lifestyle is like, you're going to be able to make those goals. But, you know, set goals for how you want to feel and then you've got to listen to your body. I have a friend that's um, about to have a baby any day and she was really disappointed because she wasn't able to run pretty early on, you know, and that was her goal, run through the whole pregnancy. And it didn't work out. Her body wasn't going to allow her to do that. And so she had to reset the goal and then the goal became, okay, I want to maintain, I still want to maintain this level of fitness. I still want to be this athlete, but what does that mean? with what my body is going to be able to give me at this point. So you, you can still say focus on goals and have, you know, something that you're working towards. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, just make it more relaxed and then just know it's, it's like normal training. Life's going to get in the way and you have to be a little bit more okay with, with being flexible and right. altering your goals when maybe your body is not going to give you exactly what you want. Yeah. It's an interesting point, though, because you said that, um, you know, you kind of think of it as this period to kind of recover, too, because you're mm-hmm. going to dramatically back off your intensity yep. and the amount of training you're really doing. So, I mean, professors often take like a sabbatical, right? They like work the tails off and then they take like a year off to mm-hmm. kind of recover mentally. And, you know, and if you're really training a lot, 
that may benefit you in lots of ways that we don't really understand. Like my fastest Ironman ever was when I was sick, mm-hmm. you know, and I got pneumonia and it was still my fastest race ever because I didn't, I mean, I had what was a proper taper probably right. as opposed to sort of like going into the freak out panic mode that <laughs> athletes do before races and go do more than they should. Right. Um, I mean, I just had a, uh, an injured athlete with a stress fracture who had a stress fracture and had her fastest Ironman ever after not running for a month right before the race because she had a stress fracture. She still had a stress fracture when she did the race and it was still her fastest race because she was properly rested. Right. So it is possible that athletes could, you know, get pregnant, take like more appropriate rest for them and then be better situated to really train after the pregnancy and go faster, you know, and says, obviously it's extremely difficult to think that's going to benefit you. Just like it's extremely difficult for most athletes to really believe the taper is going to really help. Right. But that's the challenge, right? So it's trying to keep that straight. Well, and I, I mean, when I was pregnant, I actually, I worried about that a ton. I thought, am I going to be able to come back? And then, you know, hindsight's 2020, but now I look back and I took the first three months after my daughter was born, just said, okay, I've got to make this lifestyle work. I want to keep fit and active, but I didn't rush back to fitness. And I, you know, in the last three months, it was like, okay, I'm doing no intensity. I'm just yeah. going to work out when I can, keep it really, really easy. Because, you know, the intensity is really hard at that point. Yeah. And I just didn't feel like I was really getting a lot out of it anyway. I'm like, I'm going to have to reset once this baby's born. What's the point in doing all of this intensity when I'm not going to really reap the benefits? So, right. you know, because of that, I just said, okay, I'm going to keep it easy. I'm going to enjoy my workouts. And now looking back, I realized that is... the best thing I could have done is just strip out the intensity, not put that kind of stress on my already stressed body. Mm -hmm. And I think it actually set me up for a much better and much faster return to better fitness because I had given myself that time. No, that's great. And what about afterward? Because obviously you were set up for success, but then it seems like you got back to racing pretty fast for even a pro. I mean, you got back to racing pretty fast and you've done really well. So what is it that you did after, you know, you had the baby and cause I mean, you know, it's like you have a baby, they tell you, you can't even pick up a gallon of milk. Right. And then you're thinking about racing pro. Uh, so it's very different what you're thinking as opposed to what they're telling you, you can do. So what did you actually do to get back to racing so fast? So I was really lucky. I didn't have a C-section or anything, so I didn't have to, you know, some women have to wait six weeks before they can do any exercise. So I'll, I'll definitely say that from the beginning. I was super lucky. I didn't have a lot of pain or anything after my daughter was born. And I actually, the first, you know, about four or five days after she was born, I just thought, oh my gosh, I need a walk or something. And so I got on the treadmill and I just thought, okay, I'm just going to jog just a little bit to see how it goes. And, you know, I jogged for maybe a minute or two and and it didn't have any pain. And I thought, okay, great. So, um, you know, and it was, she was born in mid-September. There weren't going to be any races that I would even look at until April was actually my first race back in 2016. And I thought I have plenty of time, so I don't need to rush this. And, you know, I, she was eating every 90 minutes around the clock. And so it was really hard to fit things in, in any way. So that's kind of what I said before about you have to wait to see what your lifestyle is going to be because you don't know if your baby's going to be needier or less needy and what your schedule is going to be like. Um, so I use that first three months as like, okay, I'm just going to go easy. I'm going to get back into training. I'm going to see my old training buddies, but I'm going to go work out with them when they're doing their easy workouts or their recovery workouts. And I literally, I mean, I did no intensity for that first three months at all. All I did was try to build my runs to be a little bit longer Mm -hmm. um, and just work on kind of getting my heart rate 
back on track. And that's something that I found when I started training again was training by heart rate is an extremely effective way to really build your aerobic base without a lot of stress on your body. And Mm so um, I kind of shifted. uh, Phil Maffetone kind of has a a philosophy about, you know, training at your max aerobic function and not exceeding that pretty much ever. Um, Obviously, I do some intensity where I go above that heart rate because I'll race there. But I mean, for the first three months, I, I never went above that line. And then I used that a ton to get back to fitness. And it was super effective for me because the first month, like the first few months of training, I was still working full time, still commuting to the city a couple days a week, plus raising my daughter, we didn't have a lot of daycare. Um, And so, you know, it's like all of the stress I had before, plus a baby, plus then I was trying to train. So, you know, I had to shift the way I was thinking about my training. And I knew that if I tried to put any intensity into my schedule, I wasn't going to be able to handle it. So instead of um, you know, trying to force it or doing intensity, but no volume. I just said, no, I'm going to work on volume, try to get my fitness back, make sure I can fit it all in. And, you know, wherever that lands me for racing, that that's where it gets me. And, um, you know, it, it allowed me to really maintain good consistency coming back from pregnancy. I didn't get sick. I didn't get injured. I was able to train week after week after week, even, you know, being up late nights or being up in the middle of the night a lot, um, which I think was huge. You know, that's how I was able to get back to racing, not, not rushing it, not forcing it, listening to my body, watching my heart rate, doing a lot of, you know, not slow. I mean, max aerobic heart rate is still working, but it doesn't cross that threshold. It doesn't cross that line into really high intensity that can break you down. So, um, you know, I think that that was a really good focus for me. I mean, if you have if you don't work or have a lot have a you know a nanny, you might be able to handle more. But it's all about knowing what your lifestyle is like, what what stress your workout's going to put on your body, and then managing those so you don't you don't go overboard. <laughs> all right. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, nutrition. So obviously, nutrition is really important when you're training. It's really important when you're racing. I mean, there are whole books about nutrition just on race day planning even, right? Um, When you're pregnant, there is no book on training or racing while you're pregnant because doctors don't really condone that activity, right? Right. So was there anything, I mean, I guess I want to know, like, what did you do? Because it's, like you said earlier, it's very difficult. You know, you, first trimester, you, some people can't eat at all. They like throw up every time they eat. Some people can eat just fine and they don't even know they're pregnant. You know, so it can be widely variable. So, I mean, maybe you can just share a little bit about like what you did and like all the people that you know that have been pregnant or still training, like kind of what you see as any sort of trend or any advice for people that um, that are trying to train and stay fit while they're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when I first found out I was pregnant, I, you know, felt pretty good. Um, but then I would say around seven to 10 weeks, I, you know, had a little bit of nausea. I was really lucky that I never really had any morning sickness. I never threw up, but I went through probably a three week period where if you showed me a salad, I might just throw it back in your face, which is really hard for an athlete who's used to eating vegetables all the time and tries, I mean, I try to eat really healthy most of the time. And at that point I'm like, okay, I need to be eating even better because Mm -hmm. I'm supporting this new life. And my body does not want vegetables. All I want are muffins and bread and, you know, anything with a carbohydrate. So Um, that was a bit of a shift and, you know, it didn't last very long, but then, you know, I got through that period and it was really, I kind of, I mean, 
I know that there are some extreme diets out there and I think a lot of athletes kind of fall into the traps of I have to eat paleo or I can never have carbohydrate or I need to do these certain things. But for me, what has worked best and um, I realize I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those teeny tiny little stick figure girls that, you know, weighs 100 pounds or anything. But um, I think one of the things when I'm in peak, peak training that really supports my training, which I think is the number one goal. I know a lot of people try to lose weight or want to be thinner, but I think you have to think as an athlete in terms of what's going to benefit my training the most. And I think thinking about nutrient-dense foods is the number one goal. You should eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, you know, whole grains, um, and a lot of lean protein. And and stay away from processed foods, you know, processed sugar. I mean, I'll eat a Snickers bar on my ride, but I'm trying to stay away from sugar outside of that. And I think pregnancy, you know, if you have that sort of balanced diet and that mentality, then I think it's an easy shift into pregnancy. Obviously, you have to modify for the things that sound good and don't sound good. But I think the same rules apply. You just eat a little bit more. And, you know, that's obviously a misnomer that you're eating for two. I mean, sometimes it feels like you are. Sometimes it feels like you're eating for five or that you want to you want to eat for five. But, um, you know, you the caloric requirement, especially in the beginning, I mean, it grows as the baby grows, but you really don't need that many more calories. So it's it's challenging because, you know, you're a little bit more hungry, but, you know, you want to just stay focused on, um, you know, if those, if nutrient dense foods are the best for your body and your training, then that's, what's going to be best for the baby. So keeping the fruits and vegetables, I mean, you know, you can have like a muffin occasionally. And, you know, I lived four miles from an, or four blocks from a 24 hour donut shop. So during pregnancy, <laughs> that was a bit challenging. You know, I tried not to hit it up too often, but you know, it was always there if I needed it. Um, and it's but, not going to kill you. I mean, yeah, the saving yeah, exactly. grace in that is that yeah. like the the baby actually does need lots of fat yeah. to develop. And so anytime you do that, you can say, well, you know, this is contributing to the neural development of yeah. my baby, right? Yeah. So you don't have to kill yourself because yeah. you had a donut. I and, mean, then, and then it was about like, okay, I'm, I don't need to go hungry. I don't need to deprive myself. You know, I'm, you know, and I was a little, probably a little bit more lax. Um, and, and then when the baby was born, you know, I was breastfeeding, um, breastfed for the first 12 months and you know then you realize okay I'm starving all of the time and right. so you know I would make you know I'd have like pumpkin bread I mean she was born in September so it was perfect right into Thanksgiving and Christmas you know we had you know we had our typical holiday treats but I didn't feel as guilty about having some pumpkin bread or some strawberry bread I would try mm -hmm. to make it at home so that it was a little bit healthier but you know still still trying to keep you know, vegetables at the top of the list, lean protein, whole grains at the top of the list. And then right. knowing that my, um, you know, caloric need was kind of like, I mean, I was just, I wasn't doing any intensity. I was doing, trying to build my volume, but with training and breastfeeding, I mean, that's like peak training at any other time. And so making sure that you're getting enough calories to support not only your training, but, you know, to support this other human life. I mean, it takes a lot of calories and, you know, the more you can fill those calories with really nutrient-dense food, I think the better. But then, yeah, you don't kill yourself if you're like, I'm dying. This baby needs to eat again. I'm having a donut. Like, you're going to burn that off anyway. I mean, <laughs> right. you don't want that to be your entire diet. But again, again, you, 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 you know, it's all about, too, keeping safe. I mean, you're exercising so you don't go crazy with all of the extra stress in your life. And, you know, if you had to be hyper-focused on never eating bad during pregnancy and, you know, when you have a newborn, like, I think <laughs> you'd go off the rails. And so 
you know, keeping it, keeping it within reason, staying focused, you know, trying to stay 80, 90% as healthy as you can possibly be. And then, you know, giving yourself a treat for making it all happen, I think is, (laughs) I think is worth it. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, Those are all really helpful tips. So, you know, for people listening to this who either uh, are pregnant or they just had a baby or or whatever, and they're in that situation where they're trying to figure out how do they negotiate all of these changes in their life and they need a coach, how do they get a hold of you? Like, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, you can. Um, so I coach through Rising Tide Triathlon Company or risingtidetry.com, or you can just email me directly at jess at risingtidetry.com. Excellent. And um, yeah, I'm happy to... You know, even if you just need, even if you just need a couple answers to questions or, you know, if you're looking for a coach, awesome. But if you just want, you know, a quick chat or, or, you know, answers to questions or you have an issue that you just want some help with, I'm, I'm here and available. So that's great. All right, Jess, that's all really helpful. And, um, so you know where to get a hold of Jess, if you have a question about, um, pregnancy, staying fit, um, or, how to like go 12 hours in your first Ironman or then subsequently chop a couple hours off of there and go to Kona right off the bat, right? Anyway, that's how you get a hold of uh, Jess. So reach out to her if you have any questions. And again, thanks for coming on the uh, show. Thanks for having me. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me and then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.